Welcome back into the Esports Network podcast. We talk about anything and everything relating to the esports industry. I'm your host, Kevin Correa, and it's a lovely, lovely day for uh, some talks about the previous year, some talks about the future coming up as it relates to the esports industry and, and kind of the direction where it's going. And here to help me kind of talk about what he, uh, him and, and, and his, uh, I guess, practice from the Foley and Lardner LLP group over there, Michael Wall. Michael, uh, you're a business lawyer for Foley. Uh, you're part of the transactions practice group and sports and entertainment group. You guys just released that fourth annual esports survey report uh, in conjunction with Sports Business Journal and the Esports Observer and some of those, those great guys over there. And you, you dropped that on us. A bunch of information, a bunch of, uh, I guess, surveyed responses from what? Almost 400 plus industry industry professionals. And so I'm sure you guys had a, had a bit of a handful this past uh, few few weeks and releasing that, right? Oh, we did, we did, but uh, we're proud of the proud of the results and uh, and proud to be working with uh, with uh, Esports Observer and Sports Business Journal to get it out there. For sure, for sure. And so, Michael, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know uh, it's a busy time of year for you guys up in up uh, near the uh, I guess the Northeast, and so you guys got a blizzard coming. And so, I just want to make sure you guys are staying warm and everything. So we'll we'll get right into it. So I don't take up too much of your time. Make sure you got the shovels ready to go. So uh, for <laughs> just really quick, like Michael, uh, I guess what was the main motivation in conducting this survey in the first place? This is the fourth survey you guys have released, and and I'm sure you've been part of the one before that, and and you know many others. But what was I guess the the main motivation in dropping the survey in the first place uh well thanks uh thanks kevin i i joined uh foley and lardner in 2017 after being a general counsel uh for 22 years um i was i was chief legal officer for 13 years for the td garden and the boston bruins uh followed by nine years as general counsel for a sports equipment company that uh that owned the bauer uh, hockey uh, eastern baseball and cascade maverick lacrosse brands and um, I, I joined Foley because it's, it's sports and entertainment group because it had a long and deep history uh, representing traditional sports leagues and teams. And, and when I joined, I expected to develop a practice along those lines in traditional sports and also uh, with sports equipment company clients. Um, but my attention was, was quickly drawn to esports. Mm-hmm. Um, esports was already on the radar of our sports and entertainment group. Um, one of our clients, the Kraft Group, uh, the owner of the uh, New England Patriots, had, had just acquired an Overwatch League franchise, the Boston Uprising. And, and other of our sports clients were, were seeking information about this, uh, this fledgling industry. Um, and, um, you know, having been in-house with an NHL team for many years, I was, I was intimately familiar with the traditional uh, sports business model, and, and I was just I was just fascinated with the similarities between traditional sports and esports, and, and the dissimilarities as well. Um, so, you know, to gain knowledge about the industry, I started reaching out to esports endemics, uh, essentially cold calling, mm-hmm. and connecting with them on LinkedIn and trying to learn more, and uh, found a very passionate audience out there. People were very receptive to getting a cold call. Um, the folks at the Esports Observer were very generous with their time and their insights, um, especially uh, the founder, Chris Hanna, who is who's so passionate about esports and connected me to others in the industry. And, um, you know, Chris and I forged the idea of having Foley and Lardner collaborate with the Esports Observer for the first survey published in 2018. And, uh, you know, we've done three more since. And and I think the quality and profile of the survey has increased each year for, for a few reasons. Um, 
my colleague Bobby Sharma, who has uh, who who I your your podcast interviewed last year around this time to mm-hmm. talk about the third survey. Uh, he's got so much history and experience in esports, and he joined our group as an advisor, and has been integral in developing the survey and full on Foley's end. Um, and on the esports observer side, it was acquired by Sports Business Journal, which uh, which embraced the survey idea readily and uh, and created a bigger engine to garner attention to the survey and to uh, distribute its results. So, you know, it, it, the survey has grown each year in terms of respondents and, and I think quality. Um, as our partnership with uh, the Esports Observer and Sports Business Journal and, and our group's expertise in the industry has deepened. And, uh, you know, it, it's been, I think it's a reliable mirror on how investors and leagues and teams and publishers and sponsors view the industry. Um, and it's been a you know, great educational tool for our group uh, to bridge that learning gap between our clients and uh, in Esports Insiders. I'll tell you, I read this 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 report like twice over and I'm just thinking like, I don't think I've ever had the pleasure of like reading through these numbers. Right. And just kind of seeing the thoughts that go on through other executives heads. It's not something that's, that's very often put out there. And so it's, it's interesting to see such a, a newer industry kind of come out with surveys like this before. And you guys are right there on the frontier of it. And so I'm, I'm curious now, I mean, what have been some of the interesting conclusions, I suppose, from past surveys that you think executives came to? I mean, uh, I mean, you guys have done, four, three previously before this one. And so I'm sure there's been some some interesting answers, some interesting conclusions that maybe never came to fruition or, or maybe came to fruition in more ways than you could have expected. I mean, what were some conclusions that you guys came upon in your, in your prior surveys? Well, you know, I guess I would say, um, and I guess I, I will get into more detail on this um, in uh, describing, you know, how this survey differed from prior surveys. Uh, but, you know, the... Un- the overwhelming theme is bullishness. Um, you know, uh, it's consistently um, an optimistic attitude among industry executives um, that uh, the, you know, the future of esports is is compelling and, and bright. Um, and there are threats, obvious threats that you would expect, um, but uh, it, it's just an overwhelmingly um, optimistic, but not, you know, not, ridiculously optimistic view of, of the industry. It, but one thing that has uh, has impressed me that has changed is the demographic of investors um, seems to be progressing in, in sophistication and clout. You know, um, I think Bobby Sharma had touched upon this uh, last year, but, you know, it, it, it started out with uh, venture capital investors and progressed to private equity, and now it's esports dedicated investment funds are, are predominant. And, you know, traditional sports owners and celebrities and athletes who were the pioneers in the industry, they've taken a you know step back in this space and now are giving way to a, a bigger investor profile. And just as we've seen in the last few weeks with Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard or anticipated acquisition if it overcomes antitrust scrutiny, but the acquisition of Activision Blizzard for $68 billion and and uh, Saudi Arabian government's public investment funds acquisition of uh Two of video gaming's biggest tournament league operators in ESL and Face It. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the changing investor profile. It speaks to the growing credibility for the long-term prospects of uh, how these executives have felt about its prospects. For sure, and a lot of that 
has to really do with kind of what the pandemic has kind of shifted focus uh, over the past two years for the most part. And, and you go over that a lot in the survey as well, pretty much the conclusions, you know, the pandemic kind of had a, a net positive growth on esports, uh, and which is something can be, you know, it's, it's, it's better than, than traditional sports at the time, right? And that's kind of uh, where this is a almost virtual online uh, ecosystem for the most part. And it kind of shifted uh, their focus away from events for a little bit, but now they're coming back. But obviously, uh, this this pandemic had a huge impact even this past year, right, on, on what the survey results really showed. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, anecdotally, um, in uh, May of 2020, we um, the, the Sports and Entertainment Group at Foley, we hosted a different roundtable forums among our clients in traditional sports. You know, we had one for um, sports teams, one for national governing bodies of sports, um, uh, and, you know, uh, and we had one for esports. And, you know, the everybody was still in shock about, you know, the cancellation of seasons and what was happening in uh, traditional sports organizations. And it was just a very somber, but, you know, heartfelt and objective discussion that we had with, with our clients about what was going on and what, what the future held. But the esports roundtable was like the pandemic didn't even exist. <laughs> you know, it was like people were still enthusiastic about, about uh, esports and, and, and the games and, and the prospects for the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the impact of the pandemic on traditional sports teams was, was simply devastating, uh, in 2020 and continuing to into 2021. Um, but esports kind of experienced just a dip in revenues. You know, we lost esports lost, um, live tournament events, which is important for their community. Uh, but the, you know, the gap was taken up by online competitions and, um, uh, so, you know, it was really, it was almost an opportunity for esports to take the center stage, you know, earlier than it might have expected to. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's uh, certainly impressive how they kind of just were resilient in that kind of way with this industry. So, uh, let's get into, I guess, some of the details of this survey report you guys released. And so you guys in, uh, had pretty much sent out what, uh, 430 executives were involved in, in, in this kind of survey. I mean, what parameters were set in place when deciding who to send surveys to and kind of what, what was the response you got back? Was it the most you've ever had in terms of uh, surveyed results? Well, 430 was the most we've had, and it's increased each year. Um, you know, we initially tapped into, and each year have tapped into, uh, Foley and Lardner's uh, sports client base. Uh, but also, you know, having the eSports Observer and then Sports Business Journal tapping into their uh, distribution lists and being able to put, you know, send out emails to that list and being able to put links in their publications to encourage people to respond. That's been really, you know, drivers, uh, the driving influence for the response that we've gotten. Um, and, you know, those 430 professionals, it, it runs the gamut of um, all of the categories of esports stake, stakeholders, you know, uh, game developers and publishers and media outlets and esports teams and leagues and professional sports uh, traditional pro sports teams and sponsors and advertisers. So it's it's a good uh, cross section of those who are you know, most heavily invested. 
and I see right here you guys have the, the, the breakdowns on this report, which I think we will we'll link in the in the podcast description so people can look at it. But it's, it's a very <laughs> it's a very uh, diverse group of people you guys had uh, the, the chance to get some answers from. And I'm I'm curious now. I mean, what has been I guess the biggest difference in this year's survey compared to the past ones? I know this year I had more of an emphasis on on NFTs and kind of what publishers and 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 uh, advertisers thoughts on on nfts and how they're kind of coming to the market but what have you personally seen in terms of the biggest difference between this one and, and last year's or the years prior um well you know in terms of uh looking at the industry in terms of growth and opportunities um i, I mentioned bullishness before and that that has continued uh this year um uh, nearly 90% of these executives uh, expect investment and deal activity in esports to increase over the first half of, of 2022. Um, and, you know, that's that's attributable, I think, to the continuing growth in esports viewership, um, the continuing growth in online streaming platforms, you know, Twitch and YouTube gaming, and, you know, crossover integration of video gaming with other forms of entertainment content. And just, you know, just the general public's awareness that esports is something out there. I mean, it's um, even over the last four years, the general public's awareness of, of this has, has increased. Um, another, I mean, that's a, that's a continued progression of, of optimism for esports deal activity. But um, the change, as I mentioned before, in um, the, the investor profile has been a dramatic change from last year to this year. Uh, over the last three years, traditional professional sports teams and, and leagues and athletes were considered to be in the top spot for driving esports investment. Um, but this year, with this survey, esports dedicated investment funds took the top spot, wow. uh, an increase of 20, 21 percentage points from the pre- previous survey. And, um, you know, why, why did traditional sports interest drop? I, you know, you can speculate, um, but, you know, some would say the rush among traditional sports owners to stake out territory in esports is over and further investment won't increase until monetization increases and revenue growth uh, increases. Um, and, you know, some would say traditional sports owners, owners may have underestimated the complexities of in- esports and, and the differences between their business models and um, the esports business model as it's evolving, um, but but I think um, personally, I think that 2020 and 2021 just may present a temporary withdrawing um, from traditional sports owners' focus on esports. You know, they were they had an existential crisis with their primary businesses uh, due to the pandemic. And I think that their attention was focused on repairing the damage caused. Um, and I, I think their attention will return to esports um, as the pandemic ebbs uh, and the damage is, is resolved. But, you know, esports dedicated investments funds will probably continue to be the top spot. Um, advertise, advertising and sponsorship that consistently for the past four years has been uh, perceived as the primary driver of revenue growth in esports. Mm-hmm. Uh, but events and competitions moved up to the second spot um, uh, due to, I think, the expectation uh, of more in-person events um, as as the pandemic ebbs. Um, and esports betting um, is considered uh, considered uh, a significant significant opportunity by respondents 
um, you know, what happened during the pandemic with traditional sports venues and casinos closed, a vacuum was created um, for legalized sports betting and, mm-hmm. And the appetite for esports betting grew for those who like to bet and those who regulate betting. Um, and you know, uh, you know, esports betting is is you know with cryptocurrency, which esports enthusiasts have used for years to purchase digital in-game assets. That that'll feed into the growth of esports uh, betting and and that increased sports uh, viewership component as well. Um, mm-hmm. But but there are threats too, right? I mean, yeah. um, you know, the lack of adequate detection systems and monitoring tools for fraud and cheating is is seen as as important uh, to respondents. Um, and one significant difference over last year was a huge increase from seventy two from forty four percent to seventy two percent of executives believe a single overarching governing body for regulation uh, is needed for esports. And that is something that a lot of uh, people have been kind of uh, kind of not worrying about, but kind of just pointing out as, as a potential issue moving forward as, as, you know, more investment opportunities grow within the industry. And that's something we'll see probably this year, a lot more kind of uh, work with either government agencies across, you know, not just the U.S., but also in uh, countries in, in Europe and Asia. And I'm just it's it's insane just the amount of money being pumped out. I think it's what uh 1.8 billion or something like that being invested in in the industry something some ridiculous number of, of that nature. Um and you you mentioned that that these uh, you know these these executives and these surveyed uh surveyed uh people really they they they're bullish, they're optimistic. Would you say it's a little on their part at least maybe because if, if either they're working close to this industry or, or working in the industry, would you say they're kind of maybe a little biased in in these views? points or is it based more in facts well you know i think they're certainly the most knowledgeable right mm-hmm. i mean uh these 430 survey respondents are to a lesser and greater extent directly involved in the esports ecosystem and they're most knowledgeable about its prospects for growth and, and the threats to its survival um you know among those respondents you'll find esports evangelists um and you'll you'll find those pessimistic prognosticators who you know have deep experience in sports and entertainment and and a more objective view. Um, so I can't I don't think it's you can say whether it's um, more biased towards the optimistic view versus the pessimistic view. Um, but the facts are you know for considerable growth in this young industry are there for all to see. And um, you know video gaming and gaming uh, it's not a fad it's just going to keep growing with a demographic that supports it. For sure. And so um, you mentioned earlier that the expectations for events and competitions to, to drive revenue, that was kind of an increased, uh, at least seen as an increased opportunity for for, th- for next year. And so, I mean, we're still kind of dealing with the early stages of, uh, or I guess the later stages of the, of the uh, Omicron variant and things of that nature. Is that something you can you see being even a bigger factor moving forward throughout the 2020s? Like more events, more competitions, more in-person kind of experiences for the, the esports industry? Is that something that will continue to drive uh, the industry forward? Or will it, you think it will still be led primarily by advertising and sponsorship as it has been for the past you know, four or five years or so? Well, I think advertising and sponsorships, and this is my personal opinion, mm-hmm. um, will we'll continue to be the, the primary driver. Um, you know, uh, online competition uh, increased during the pandemic and, and, and the increase of personal in live in-person events 
um, the increase in those events will, will, you know, raise the tide even higher for esports in general. Um, but, you know, live in person events are important um, mm-hmm. to the community, esports community. And, um, and it's, it's definitely got a place in the, in the ecosystem. And so, uh, kind of, we're we're seeing, like you mentioned earlier as well. You mentioned that a lot of more esports dedicated funds are are getting involved in the industry, and less so from uh, traditional teams and traditional investment groups. We're seeing more esports oriented people come in and you know put money back into the scene. Uh, is that something? Is that a trend you think will be uh, kind of continuing to grow as we move forward, or will we see you know larger funds like the ones from Saudi Arabia or like other inter international funds kind of take their step into the industry as well? Well, I mean, I think we were all surprised about Microsoft and, um, and, uh, the Saudi fund, um, taking, taking these positions. Um, and who knows what's going to follow, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, valve is out there is privately held. I mean, who knows what Amazon has in mind, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, we didn't expect these large technology companies, uh, to, to take uh, to take these spots, these prime spots within the ecosystem, but here they are, and who knows what what will happen next? For sure. And so I know one of the biggest concerns for the esports industry, at least from the professional side of things, is you know cybersecurity and malware attacks, along with you know IP and media rights and, and licensing issues. Something that I think uh, traditional sports hasn't ever had to deal with before. Things of that nature, just pretty much the infrastructure of your game that you, that you're playing, as well as whether the the game being published, whether the the publisher will allow it to be played on a, on a certain platform. You know, we you know football has you know the game of football is really a copyright or, or an ip owned by anybody the nfl is but obviously the game itself is not which is interesting and is that something you think the the, the role of the publisher will have a, a bigger role moving forward as as the industry kind of grows and hits it hits those growing pains well you know you got to remember that video gaming is a 160 billion dollar industry right mm-hmm. and that's that's where the publisher makes you know that's the focus and and esports being just a tiny slice of it um it'd be the tail wagging the dog for for the publisher to focus more on esports than it does on the rest of its business um and you know publishers have considered esports to be more of a marketing tool i think uh towards developing their video games in general um but who knows with microsoft's entrance into the market how that par- paradigm is going to shift yeah and then i guess just one last question for you because you, you've knocked them all out of the park and it's really kind of interesting to me it's just uh you know what's the most likely thing to happen in 2022 for esports in, in your opinion obviously a lot of execs believe nfts will see significant growth but i mean there's there's other things as well outside of nfts like events like uh increased uh investment opportunities i mean but what are you what is your personal opinion on what's the most likely thing to happen in 2022 for esports well, it's going to uh, continue to follow that that demographic of uh, you know roughly fourteen to forty, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the younger generation, Gen Z, is driving the content currently in entertainment and is driving the future of entertainment. Um, and um, you know, esports and the esports stakeholders are going to continue to follow uh, the trends that that generation is, is setting. Um, 
you know, it, it's going to be interesting for sure. I mean, the growth will continue. Esports will continue to gain its, sport, its spot in the entertainment, entertainment universe or metaverse, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, you mentioned e- NFTs a year ago. Nobody was talking about them, but, um, you know, the evolution of NFTs and cryptocurrency and, and the metaverse will influ- influence where esports goes in, in 2022. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's too optimistic to think that the monetization puzzle uh, for revenue growth in esports is going to be solved in one year. Uh, but, you know, there's enough entertainment expertise and investment dollars pouring into this industry that I think that puzzle will be cracked. Um, you know, especially if games are developed that are, you know, truly cross-platform and can be played and observed on PC, console, console and mobile. You know, they'll, they'll just be explosive growth. For sure. And so, I mean, we'll, we'll wait and see. You know, a lot of the, this is more just based on trends and things of that nature. And so I can't wait for, for the next year's report when this comes out. And I'm sure you guys are already kind of working on, on how that'll go as well. But I know most of you are paying attention to how things will play out this year. So, uh, Michael, I can't thank you enough for not just releasing this survey and, and working on it as well, but coming on, on the podcast with me to talk about the results of the survey, your opinions on things moving forward. And, of course, you know, peeling a little bit of that, that curtain back there and giving us a, a behind-the-scenes look at what's going on. So, Michael, I can't thank you enough for hopping on the show. Thank you for having me, Kevin. It was a, it was a pleasure. Of course, he's Michael Wall of Foley and Lardner. You can visit them at foley.com, and we'll link to the survey results in the podcast description. So, once again, that's Michael Wall of Foley, and I'm Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network Podcast. Yeah.